let's dive into our time in the Word right now. And we're going to do it in a little bit different way. I actually last week told you something not true. So I guess I lied. But uh, I didn't mean to lie, but I lied. But that makes me a liar. So anyway, I want to correct that right now. Uh, We finally got our hands on a scroll that would be like the scroll that would be in many, many places where people would read back before there was a paper Bible or computer Bible. Uh, So this one's written in Hebrew, and this is the first five books of the Bible. So here's what I want you to know. Uh, It used to be this would be the only way you could read the Bible, Uh, even the Greek. But you know what? You would have to take it. You would open it. You would begin to read it. And uh, one of the things that I I told you that was wrong is I said a scroll like this, an authentic scroll like this, would cost $20,000. Then Tracy and I did research and found out I was wrong. A scroll like this would cost $95,000. It would cost you right around $3 million just to have the Old Testament. Plus, you'd have to carry around, you know, about 40 scrolls. So, (laughs) could you imagine that? Uh, So, here's what I want you to know, is that God originally had people reading the Word this way, treasuring God's Word this way. And then over the course of time, uh, we tried to get the Bible in a more common language, a common way of doing that. And so, uh, most of us got our hands on one of these. Uh, paper Bibles. This is actually my leather Bible uh, that I had um, for quite a while now. By the way, a little piece of trivia about leather Bibles. You ready for this? They last longer the more you use them because the oil on your hands actually makes them better. Uh, And when you don't use them, they get brittle and they fall apart. And we all know you haven't been in the Word. Uh, So so then you you get these. But here I could carry all 66 books of the Bible. And uh, uh, this one, by the way, is a little more expensive one. This would cost you about... Uh, $175. Uh, but, but here's what I want you to know is that you're able to write your notes in it. You're able to carry the whole Bible with you. And then many of us have now started using a Bible this way, where I have about uh, 70 uh, different versions of the Bible on my computer. And um, I have an ability to go and look at the Hebrew and the Greek. But the most important thing is to get into the Word. And even more, to get the Word of God into you. And to do that, you need to study it correctly. So we have this great calling in 2 Timothy 2, verse 15 that says, be diligent. In other words, work hard at this. Be really intentional about this. Be diligent to present yourselves approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. Uh, The Bible, we're going to talk about this more in a minute, is like a two-edged sword. It's sharp. Uh, If you had a sword, you would want to handle it with care. Mm -hmm. By the way, if you have a really, really sharp knife, you want to handle it with care. My assistant, Tracy, just cut her hand badly because she did not handle it with care. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it was really bad, like gross bad, like workman's comp bat. Um, So anyway, so you want to handle the word of God accurately. And you know what? Uh, A lot of times people would do this back when they had paper Bibles more. They would do what we call Bible roulette, where all of a sudden you would open it up and then point and just figure that's your verse for the day. And that's not an accurate way to handle the word. Uh, It reminds me of the guy one time that he did that. He opened up his Bible and he pointed to Matthew 27, 5. And he thought, okay, that's the verse God wants me to read. And it says, so Judas went out and hanged himself. And he thought, well, that didn't sound right. So he turned and opened into Luke, hit Luke 10, 37. 
And it said, go and do likewise. <laughs> so then he flipped again to John and hit John 13, 27. It says, whatever you do, do quickly. <laughs> I'm going to have the cheesiest jokes tonight. I've got a really bad one coming. But anyway, um, here's what I want you to know. By the way, turn to Psalm 19 if you guys have your Bible. Uh, uh, God, God's word's powerful. It's life-changing. Now, I don't want you to miss that. I, I'm not just saying that it, to make it sound cool or, or just to say something, you know, to, like a pastor would say necessarily. Although, I want you to know it is. It's powerful. It's life-changing. Because, you know, when you read the Word of God with a good heart and a sincere, sincere dedication, you begin to change. God's Word does something special in your life. And in Psalm 19, verse 7, it says this. Listen to all the things it talks about the Bible. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. And listen to what it says. They are more desirable than gold, yes, than much fine gold, sweeter than honey, the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. Think about all that it says the word of God will do for you. It says that uh, uh, the Bible will restore your soul. It'll restore your soul. Uh, we live in a world where I think our souls are under assault so many times yeah. Yeah. with impure things, hateful things, mm -hmm. untrue things, lies coming at you like crazy. There's so many things that are done that try to tear you down and not build you up. Mm -hmm. And God tells you this. You know how you get restored? Do you know how you get, get changed back? Do you know how you to resurface and come back in redemption? It's because the word of God restores your soul. Uh, I like to say that the Bible's soul food. Uh, you know, and so I love soul food, by the way. And I'm talking about real soul food. Well, the Bible's real soul. Anyway, I like it all. But, but the Bible's soul food. And, and it strengthens you and, and makes you strong and gives you all the things you should. Um, I've really tried to do better about eating right and doing all those kind of right things. And I just got a checkup. Now, I'm an old guy. So I just got a checkup. And my doctor was shocked because every area that I have vitamins in, I have enough vitamins. I don't have one, one kind of vitamin deficiency. And he was actually shocked because he's been trying to get me to go vegan. <laughs> That's another sermon. But anyway, um, but, but here's what I want you to know is that because I've been eating correctly, my body has all the nutrition it needs. And you know what? When you read the word of God correctly, accurately, then what happens? Your soul, your soul has all the nutrition it needs. Uh, it's like the soul food that, that emanates out, by the way, into every single area of your life. I also like to say it's like soul music. Yeah, I really do. I mean, nobody else probably does, but I think the Bible soul food and soul music, and I love soul music. I got sunshine on a cloudy day. <laughs> When it's warm, cold outside, <laughs> I got the month of May. And I said that uh, you say, what can make me feel this way? And the answer is what? The Bible. No, I'm kidding. 
it's, it's my girl. But yeah, yeah, you know, I got to tell you, okay, this total ADD moment. Uh, you guys get ready for this. One time when I was doing next-gen ministry, uh, Jess, you got to love this. I was doing next-gen ministry. I had five of our college guys come on stage, and they called their girlfriends on stage and sang my girl to them. Well, it was so sweet. It's so cool until they all broke up. And they did. Five out of five broke up within two weeks. Yeah. And so I'm standing at Bible said, I go, what happened? They go, we don't know. I said, would you guys like to come on stage and sing, she used to be my girl? <laughs> By the way, in that song, Laura, I think this is such a great line. In that song, it says, I've got so much honey, the bees envy me. Yeah. Poetic. It is poetic. Yeah. It's kind of a cool idea. But you know what it said here? It said the word of God is like honey. It's like does something special to you. It does something amazing in you. So it restores your soul. It makes you wise. It rejoices your heart. Uh, by the way, Jeremiah 15, 16 says, your words were found and I ate them and your words became for me a joy and delight of my heart for I have been called by your name. Oh, God of hosts, the oh Lord God of hosts. It rejoices your heart. Uh, and that's what I want to tell you is what happens for me. Now, I'm not trying to make myself look good or anything, but I just want to get real honest. I love God's word. What I love to do every single day is the first thing I try to do every day, but definitely every day, whether it's first or not, is I read God's word. And it's a wild thing. Like, I can't wait to get to it. I have few things I have to do ahead of that. But like, I'm counting down the moments to get to my couch or get to my chair outside and just start letting the word of God flow, flow to me, flow inside me and do amazing things for me. And so, you know what? It is, I love, I love getting to do that. I love getting to read that way. God's word just does something in us. Uh, by the way, in Psalm, I just read, it says it enlightens the eyes. You know what that means? Have you ever seen like someone who had bright eyes in a moment? Like all of a sudden, by the way, I love that you're here with us tonight. If you guys don't know who uh, Jessica is, Jessica is incredible. She is amazing. And she's the wife of one of the best pastors I've ever met in my life, Stephen, uh, who now uh, heads up our junior high ministry. And the reason I'm thinking about that is I got to be at your wedding. And uh, by the way, you look, she looked beautiful, right? And here's what's really cool is when Stephen looked at you, his eyes went bright. They just went bright. And uh, you know what? The word of God gives you bright eyes. It gives you excitement. It gives you something to live for. It gives you energy. And so I want you to know that. By the way, if you have your Bibles, jump ahead with me to Jeremiah 23, 29. But uh, I know that sometimes what happens is we begin to wonder, you know, uh, why is that happening in my life? Because here's what David said. David said that the Bible is more desirable than gold, even pure gold. Remember I just said a little bit ago that if you were to get the Old Testament in the scroll form, it would cost you $3 million. I want you to know there have been seasons of time where it cost more than that. It cost people their lives. But they would die to have the Bible. They would die to hold the Bible. They would die to read the Bible. I remember... Uh, when I was first a Christian, we got word, and it ended up being a true story about a woman in Czechoslovakia, the other side of the Iron Curtain, who got a Bible, and someone tried to take it from her, and they ended up beating her till she died, but she did not want to let go of it. She had saved up for a whole year to buy that Bible, wow. and she wasn't going to let go. 
And I guess the reason that story gets to me is because I looked over at my Bible that was sitting there and I couldn't remember the last time I picked it up. And I was like, that's never going to be me again. Never going to be me again. You know what is? So we need, we need to treasure scripture because scripture will do amazing things in our life. So here's the question I want to go to. And, and by the way, this isn't to put guilt on you, but what if you find the Bible boring? What if you go, Chuck, you know what? I love what you're saying and I love that's good for you. But when I open this up and I start to read, my mind just starts wandering. And you know, I want to tell you tonight, I'm hoping I can actually help that not be the case for you. Uh, and I'm going to talk about very real ways to let that not be the case for you. Because the Bible, again, is supposed to be like a sharp two-edged sword. And if someone came at you with the sword, you would not be bored. I promise you that. Like right now, if I pulled out a sword and started swinging, Bill, you would have a lot of emotions, but boredom would not be one. Yeah, that would not be one, right? So here's what I want you to think about is that the Bible also is like fire. Look what it says in Jeremiah 23, 29. Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer which shatters rocks. Man, you know what? Uh, uh, whenever a fire truck goes by, do you know what you and I do? We always follow it and want to know where it's going. Uh, by the way, if you see smoke going up or you drive up on a fire that's happening, I mean, it gets your attention. And you know what? The Bible's supposed to have your attention and it's not supposed to be boring. Yet sometimes it can be. Uh, there's a devotional called My Utmost for His Highest. Uh, it's one of the most famous Christian books that's ever been written. As a matter of fact, a lot of people use that as their daily devotion to help them get into the Word of God. Uh, that was written by a man named Oswald Chambers. And Oswald Chambers had been a Christian many, many years. And he said, if I got really honest with you, I would tell you that the Bible to me is the dullest, most uninteresting, most boring book I've ever read. That's what he said. And then he went on to talk about the idea that being Christian was not really that exciting. As a matter of fact, he said, if this is what Christianity is, I'm going to stay committed to it, but I really wouldn't want it for anybody else. And you know what he was being was honest. He said, that's what's going on in my life. That's what's happening in my heart. And then he said, something happened and it all changed. Mm. Something happened and it, he could never be the same. He said, the Bible came alive. The words leaped off the page. He woke up in the morning with more energy and more vitality and more excitement. He realized that now he wasn't just living a boring life. He was living heaven on earth and the kingdom of God empowering him in his life. And what was it that made him change? And here's the answer. It was the filling of the Holy Spirit. So what I want to tell you is this. I want the Bible to be alive to you, but it's never going to be if it's only you doing it. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You need to have the Holy Spirit giving you guidance, giving you energy, doing things that are so beyond you, you can't imagine. Uh, in the book of Ephesians, you guys turn to Luke chapter 11 is where I want you guys to be. But, but in the book of Ephesians, uh, the whole idea of being filled with the Holy Spirit is likened to getting drunk. Now, now, why is that? Because it's intoxicating when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. It's, it's a high when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, sad to say I was a part of the drug culture in the 70s. And then a bunch of my friends and I, we got saved and we became Jesus freaks. 
Uh, that's kind of wild. No one calls him that anymore. I like that name, by the way. I really did like it. <laughs> yeah. and, and here's the thing about it. We would tell everybody being a Christian is a bigger high, a better high than any drug you could take. And I'd have people going, oh, really? Like, that's true. And I'm like, yeah, that, that is true. Mm. By the way, all these years later, it's even more true. It's even more true. And uh, look what it says in Luke 11, verse uh, 13. It says, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now, why am I reading that verse to you? Because every time you get ready to do anything with God or for God, with not just making it a, 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 a something to do uh, that does, as a ritual, it has to be real and sincere. You pray for the filling of the Holy Spirit. So when I sit in the morning with the Lord and I almost always have a cup of coffee with me, I say, Lord, I pray you'll fill me with your spirit right now. I pray, God, you'll show me things. You'll speak to me. And so I just ask God to come and teach me. I ask the spirit to fill me. I ask for that to happen. By the way, I do that every time I get ready to preach. And I mean, every time I get ready to preach, I ask for the filling of the Holy Spirit to come. So when I come to you, I'm not coming to you as a man. I'm coming to you as someone who's been filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Now, I want to be honest. There's sometimes you're going, wait a minute, Chuck. I got bored when you were preaching. I probably wasn't filled with the Holy Spirit then. Uh, that, that. Or you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. Could be why, yeah. But, but yeah, it could be you, but it's not me, it's you. No, um, it could be me. Anyway, so what do you do so the Bible's not boring? It begins, it starts with being filled with the Holy Spirit. So how do you get filled with the Holy Spirit? You ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit. And then the Holy Spirit begins to teach you as you read. He begins to guide you. He begins to speak to you. 1 Corinthians 2 is where we're going to be now. And in 1 Corinthians 2, uh, we're going to start in verse 10. But verse 9 is one of my all-time favorite verses. It says, uh, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard. Uh, and all, all that is in the heart, uh, God, God has revealed them to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, it's beyond description, beyond imagination, beyond anything you can imagine. And then it goes on to talk about the Holy Spirit revealing things to you. And in 1 Corinthians 2.10, it says this, for to us, God revealed them through the Spirit. So when you read the Word, when you read the Bible, the Holy Spirit starts revealing things to you. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, listen to this part. Even so, the thoughts of God, no one knows except the Spirit of God. So nobody can know the thoughts of God except the Holy Spirit. But did you catch what just happened? God said, my Spirit will reveal those to you. My Spirit will teach you. My Spirit will quicken you or open your eyes to that. And so you and I need to know that. And verse 12, it says, now we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit is from God. So that, why do we get that? By the way, I probably should, I, did, I hadn't put my, my I know, I, Nicole, I should have put this in my notes. Every time you see the word so that, I would underline it. Because the so that is why it's happening. So that's a big deal in the Bible. And it says this, it says, so that so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. So he's saying, I want you to know we've not received the spirit of the world, but the Holy Spirit, so that what? We can see the things freely given to us by God. And that's what God wants us to do. Uh, verse 13 says, uh, 
things which we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. Now, again, I don't want you to miss this. He says, when I open my Bible, you open your Bible, and you pray for the filling of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit starts speaking to you. He starts opening your eyes to things. He begins to teach you. He begins to teach you. And you and I get to experience that kind of intimacy with the Lord, that kind of experience of God really doing something in our life. Verse 14, but a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. In other words, if I'm not born again, if I'm not Holy Spirit filled, I'm never really going to get what I need to get from this. Mm. Now, I'm not saying as someone who's not a Christian can't read the Bible and it'd be amazing and they can't, and they, they, there's things I'll understand, but they'll never really get the depth. They'll never really get the meaning uh, that they would get if the Holy Spirit's teaching them. Uh, I remember uh, one time I was at uh, Cal State Fullerton and I was in a literature class and our professor was awesome. She was incredible. It wasn't a believer. She's incredible. By the way, she's the one I told you her favorite book is the King James Version of the Bible. But she was going through Chaucer's Canterbury Tales. Has anybody ever read those? Okay, I'll be really honest. I was so bored. I was like, are you kidding me? And I was like sitting there reading all of it, like for my class. And I would come in and then she would start teaching and I would sit on the edge of my seat with how amazing it was. Why? Because she knew it like no one else knew it. And you know who knows the Bible like nobody else? The Holy Spirit. And he's going to teach you things. But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. So what I want to tell you is, how do you not have the Bible be boring? Well, I'm going to go through more than one way, but let's start with the beginning. You spend time with the Lord having what I'm going to call intentional intimacy. Some people call it a quiet time. Some people call it a devotion time. That's all good. That, and nothing wrong with that. But I like to call it something else. Intentional intimacy, that means I set an appointment with God that I don't miss. It's my date with my father. It's my, my time with my dad. And I sit down and I say, hey, teach me, Lord. Fill me with your spirit and speak to me. So it's not just, it's not just reading. It's, it's opening myself up and getting ready for what he's going to tell me. And I want to say this, but I'm expectant. Like I never sit down and, and just read. I sit down and look for what the Lord wants me to see. And I'm expecting amazing things to come, incredible things to come. And I'll tell you this, uh, uh, I, the people who work with me, I think will back me up on this, how many times I've been wrestling with an issue or facing a problem or actually feeling like I was gonna be overcome by the challenge. And I go to God's word and I get the answer. And he speaks to me and I walk in and say, hey, the Lord showed me something today. And it is not, it's, it's, it's not taken lightly. It's awesome. It's incredible. Uh, so I want to challenge you to do that. So how do you do that? You sit down and you say, Lord, speak to me. Lord, teach me. Lord, open my eyes. And then you go to the section of scripture you're going to read and you have an expectation that God is going to do something and teach you. Now, there are many ways you can approach the scripture. There really are. But one of the best is called the SOAP method. 
So I want to tell you that. Now, some of you already know it. Don't tune out on me because I want to say it in a way that hopefully it'll make even more sense to you. And this is the best part. So you could teach other people to do this. By the way, my goal is not just for the believers to know how to do this. My goal is for you to know how to teach others to do it to pass it on. And so the SOAP method is this. The SOAP method stands for scripture, observations, application, and prayer. So it stands for the scripture, the observation, you observe the scripture, application, and prayer. So let me break that down for you. First of all, I hope you have a reading plan. Uh, You don't just poke around. So you choose what you're going to read. You Actually, I pray and ask God to show me what I'm going to read. And then I I go to that section of scripture. Uh, And then I, I, I want to go through it. I want to take it from beginning to end. So if I'm going to read Romans, I want to start in Romans 1 and go all the way through. If I'm going to read Acts, I want to start in Acts 1 and go all the way through. If I'm going to read John, I want to go John 1, go all the way through. Uh, And and so what I want to do is I want to do that in a very specific way. So what happens is I can read it. So I've chosen, I prayed about scripture I should read. And then I pray and I ask the Lord to teach me. I ask God to show me things. And then I begin to read the scripture. And then every time something stands out to me, I write it down. Why? Because I believe the Holy Spirit's going to show me things. And if God tells you something, I think you ought to write it down. I think you ought to write it down. And and you want to have that be something you can look at. So it starts by reading the scripture. Then the S is scripture. O is observations. And here's what I want to say, and I hope I don't lose you, so get ready. You need to go in this order. Who is being talked to? What is he saying to them? What does it mean to me? Too many people jump to the what does it mean to me? And, and, and you shouldn't do that. You're gonna, you, you will very often not handle the word of God accurately. So you want to ask, who is being addressed? Who is being talked to? What is he saying to them? And then what does that mean to me? And if you do it in that order, more likely than not, you'll get a deeper understanding and an accurate understanding of Scripture. Uh, and by the way, it'll give you a way of seeing and knowing what God wants to show you in his word. So I'll give you an example of that. Uh, In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, there's a a section there that says that it is wrong for a woman to pray or prophesy with her head uncovered. So that a lot of people read that and they go, well, what what am I supposed to do? Well, you need to ask, first of all, who is he talking to? And he's talking to women who lived in a town named Corinth at a particular time in history. And what is he saying to them? Well, back in that time, if a woman did not have her head covered, uh, that meant one of two things, and usually both. And then either one, she was sexually promiscuous, uh, uh, or number two, uh, that she did not respect authority. Uh, And so back then, if a woman uncovered her head, that meant that she was sexually immoral. She was sexually promiscuous. Uh, and, and so he was saying to them, I do not want you to uncover your head or not be modest when you pray or when you prophesy and preach. By the way, the women would preach if you catch that, which I think is cool. So, but they had to do it being modest in what they wore and in how they presented themselves. So here's the question. When it says in 1 Corinthians 11, and it says, 
who is being talked to, the Corinthian women, what is he saying to them? He says, I'm wanting you to cover your head. But in their case, he means I want you to be modest and, and not you know, uh, uh, dress in a way that would tempt guys. Uh, I want you to be respectful. Uh, then I want you to pray and I want you to prophesy. What does that mean to us? It means in our day that everybody, but in particular women in this passage, need to be modest. Uh, in other words, they need to be careful about how they dress so they're not tempting people. And, and they need to have respect and be respectful. By the way, I want to say if you're a woman and you're going, well, that sounds a little chauvinistic, men are supposed to be respectful too. Uh, at Crossroads, I need to respect the elders I need to respect the people I work with. I need to respect my wife. I need to respect the people I work with, male and female, right? And I think I am. Okay, good. And the men too. Yeah, sometimes. Okay, so, but matter of fact, I, 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 I don't feel like it's, everyone needs to have that attitude. And so that's what he's saying. So, you know, if someone reads that and go, oh, women are supposed to cover their heads. I just watched this worship and not one woman on the stage had her head covered. Uh, you know, that's not what he's saying. It really isn't what he's saying. And you wouldn't get the meaning of, of what he's trying to tell. By the way, for any of you who are watching that have never been to Crossroads, if you ever get to come in our building, I almost am sure you'll go, whoa, what a great building. And then at some point you're going to say, it's really cold in here. It's really cold because I get the air as cold as I can in our building. And I do that for a lot of reasons. One's I don't like to be hot, and I guess it's a little selfish. But my other reason that I love is in the summertime, when women come to our church, they have to cover up. <laughs> we do not have a modesty problem here. But I'm telling the truth. I really am. I really am. You watch in the middle of summer, all the girls are coming with, with uh, sweatshirts. So no problem here that way. Okay, so... What you need to do is you ask, who is being talked to? What is he saying to them? What does he mean to me? So as you're reading the passage, you write that down. Who's he being talked to right now? Like, is he talking to King Saul or is Samuel talking to David? You'll get two different ideas of what's going on, depending which person's being addressed. Uh, is he talking to a Corinthian church that is very immature and divisive and arguing and fighting and not honoring God? Or is he talking to the Ephesians, one of the most mature churches uh, that you can imagine, who are living out the Christian life in an amazing way and going through intense persecution? And you begin to, to get better meaning when you do that. So God wants you and I to do it. And so what you and I need to do is we need to be looking at what the word says and the principles that are being taught to us. So you look at exactly what's being said, but you also want to know what is the principle. That's part of your observation that's being talked about. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 5 and 6, uh, Paul begins to bring this out. And he says, that's the correct way to handle the scripture. He says, not that we are adequate in ourselves to consider anything is coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God, who also made us adequate as servants of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Now, I don't have a lot of time to go into this one, but I really wish I did. What he's saying is people who go by the letter tend to use it in a way that takes away life and doesn't give life. People who go by the spirit of what's being said, they, they begin to get and understand what God wants them to do so they can have life. And so that's the idea behind it is that you and I would understand that. Jesus brought that out in a powerful way. Jesus said, you've heard it said in the Old Testament that a man is not to commit adultery. He goes, but I tell you, I tell you, you're not to even look at, 
a woman with lust or else you've committed adultery in your heart. Now, what is Jesus saying? He said, if you go by the letter, don't commit adultery, then I'm fine. He said, no, 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 no. You need to be faithful to your wife mentally and emotionally too. By the way, in that age of social media, even on social media, you need to be faithful. So that's the spirit that's there. Jesus said, you know what? It says in the Old Testament that you're not to murder. But I tell you something even more. Uh, You're not to call someone a fool. You're not to call them raka, which means empty-headed. And, and, and he said, I, I want to tell you, that it's, that's what that's talking about there. So he said, don't just go by the letter. Understand the spirit of what's being said. That people matter, that life has value, that life needs to be protected. Not just physical life, by the way. We understand in the spirit, we, we want to protect people emotionally. Uh, we want to protect their, their, by the way, their identity. Uh, And today that's under assault, people's identity. Uh, But the Bible talks about us understanding that when you read, you're asking God to show you not just what's being said, but the spirit of what God wants you to get from it too. So S stands for scripture. O stands for observation. A stands for application. That's when you do the what does it mean to me. So I ask who's being talked to? What is he saying to them? What does it mean to me? Uh, by the way, Luke 11 is where we're going to be. Luke 11, verse 27. But what you want to know is the word of God applies to you. Now, in Romans chapter 15, it says the, all of the Old Testament has been written for your instruction. In 2 Timothy 3.16, it says all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for your life. So both the Old and the New Testament, and we did a whole talk on that already. So what God wants you to know is you need to take the things that are in it and apply what God wants you to know. And listen to what it says. Jesus is in the midst of a time and, and, and people are flocking to him. His popularity is soaring. People are yelling incredible things to him. And it says, while Jesus was saying these things, one of the women in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast at which you nursed. Notice what Jesus answers. But he said, on the contrary, blessed are those who hear the word of God and observe it. Jesus said, do you know where the blessing's found? It's found when you hear the word of God and understand it and observe it. And he said, that's what I want you to do and that's the kind of person I want you to be. So he wants us to be people who read God's word, hear God's word, take in God's word and then apply it to our life. Apply it to our life. And we need to be people who do that. We need to be people who live that out. So I wanna be somebody who the motivation of my life is the word of God. Mm -hmm. Uh, I want our, our church to be that way. Uh, By the way, uh, every now and then I'll have someone actually say these words. They'll go, man, when I'm around you or around your staff or around your church, people are quoting scripture all the time. Not like haughtily. They're just talking about it. And the word of God just starts coming out. And and, and it's because why the word of God's in our heart. So it's going to come out of our heart. And and we want that to be how we live our life. The word of God guides us. Uh, I don't know if you heard about a guy who was a pastor. He's a young pastor. And man, he wanted to be that way. He wanted everything he did to be based on scripture. And uh, so what happens, he ended up being hired as a youth pastor at a, a cool little church. And he got there and, and he was single. And, and so all the girls were like, oh my gosh, this guy's good looking. And, and, and Bible study started growing. No, I'm kidding. But well, not really. It did grow. But anyway, what happened is one day he went to see a girl who was one of the college girls and he knocked on the door and there was no answer. So he knocked again and there was no answer. And he thought, huh. 
And uh, he goes, I can hear her inside. So then he thought, well, you know what? I've been telling everybody they need to go by God's word. So he grabbed a piece of uh, paper and he wrote on it, Revelation 3.20, and he stuck it in the door and left. So she looked out the window and saw him leaving and she went and got the paper and she thought, Revelation 3.20, and she ran and she opened her Bible and it says, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I would come in and sup with them. And she thought, oh, I think that's so cool. I think that's so cool. So uh, the next Wednesday night was Bible study and he, he taught and as soon as it's over, people are talking to him and she slipped up and handed him a piece of paper and got out as fast as she could. And he opened it up and it said Genesis 3.10. And he thought, what's that? And he went and looked at it and it says, I heard the sound of you walking in my garden, but I was naked, so I hid myself. (laughs) Okay, I think that's funnier than you do. So anyway, they did start dating and they were having this incredible time dating. And, And after a while, she looked at him and said, I feel like we're getting more serious and I feel like our relationship's going good, but I gotta ask you something. Um, You've never kissed me. And he said, well, the reason I haven't kissed you is because I can't find a verse in the Bible that would say that's what I should do. She's like, oh. So she comes back on the next time they're together and she goes, oh my gosh, I found it. It's, it's Romans 16, 16, greet one another with a holy kiss. And he goes, no, that doesn't count because that really means kiss on the cheek and that's greeting and not good night. And she's like, oh. So what happened is they went out for another couple months and, and one night they're walking to the door together and he turns to give her a hug and leave and she grabs him and kisses him and kisses him and kisses him. And then she stops and he stands there going, whoa, that was incredible. But what verse are you using for that? And she said, Luke 6, 31, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. (laughs) Cheesy jokes tonight, I promise. (laughs) So S is scripture, O is observations, A is application, and then P is prayer. And so what happens is you don't have to do this, but I like to write down my prayers. Uh, Not all the time, only when I'm doing this time with God. I I tend to write them out and and I ask God and I talk to God about what I'm learning and what he's teaching and what the Spirit said and things I'm wrestling through and requests I have. Sometimes prayers are shorter, sometimes they're longer, but I write them out. And then what I do is every now and then I'll go back and look back on those prayers. I cannot tell you the number of times that God specifically answered what I wrote. He did did something special. And so you want to take the time to write it out. You want to take the time to do that. Is it biblical? Well, it is. You don't have to do it. But in Psalms, that's what the Psalms are. By and large, some are songs, but they're also prayers that David wrote to God. And that's why they're so meaningful to you and meaningful to me. And if you want to go to a place of honesty in the Bible, read some of the things he wrote. And then watch how God changes him as he writes. Because I can tell you I've done that too. I'll write out a very real feeling. And then as I sit with God, it's not like God's mad at me, but I'll just sense it all starting to change. And that the word of God rejoices my heart or brings healing to hurt or or brings freedom to to something that was holding on to me. So I want to encourage you to do that and make that who you are. Back to Psalm 19, verse 7. It says, The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true, and they are righteous altogether. 
They are more desirable than gold, yes, than much fine gold, sweeter than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there's great reward. And I'll tell you, man, nothing's going to be more rewarding to you than if you consistently are with God, with God, letting the Holy Spirit fill you and teach you and guide you. And you're going to find your life being better. You're going to find you being changed for the better. You're going to find God showing you things. You're going to find yourself closer to God than you can imagine. Why? Because this is a, a letter of love to you. A book of God wanting you to see his, his ways, his promises, his principles. By the way, and his prophecies, which we'll get to next week. So I hope that's true for you. But here's what I do want to say again is without the filling of the Spirit, you're never going to get from the Bible what God wants you to get. And you're never going to live life the way God wants you to. But the filling of the Spirit only comes to those who are committed to Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Only to those who say to Him, I want to commit myself to you completely. I want to be forgiven of my sin. And then He forgives you of your sins. I want to be made new. He makes you new. He makes you a new creation. And then He gives you a new power through the Holy Spirit. Right now, if you've never, ever committed your life to Christ, I'm going to ask you, would you like to? Because I can promise you God wants you to. That verse where Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. He actually was saying, I am. I'm knocking on your heart. I'm standing there waiting for you to invite me in. And so the question is, are you ready to say to the Lord, come in? And if you are, let me lead you in a prayer that we can pray together where you say that to him, where you actually say, come in. Come in and love me. Come in and change me. Come in and free me. Come in and heal me. Come in and take my life and make me yours completely. Maybe you need to pray that for the first time. Maybe you need to pray it to recommit your life to the Lord. Man, I hope you pray it. I really, really, really hope you pray it. So right now, maybe for the first time at a recommit, maybe on your own or maybe as a couple, maybe as friends. You can pray this prayer. Let's pray it together. Lord, before we pray that prayer, I ask right now for you to be with anybody who needs to, to open their heart to you and commit their life to you. And I pray, oh Lord, your Holy Spirit would actually start stirring and touching them. I pray they could sense you. God, right now, right now they could. So I pray right now, Lord, for those who are ready to say yes, that they will. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me. And I know you died on the cross for me. And you died for my sins. I pray you'll forgive me and cleanse me from all my sin. I pray you'll heal me from hurt and from pain. Some of you need healing right now. Pray that. Say, Lord, heal me. I pray you'll free me from anything or anyone that's holding me down or holding me back. But most of all, I pray you'll make me yours. I pray you'll make me alive and I pray you'll make me brand new. So I say yes to you. And I say yes to the life you have for me. Take me now and make me yours in Jesus' name. Amen. 
and amen if you prayed that prayer. And if you prayed that prayer, I am so excited for you. But I want to tell you, God's even more excited for you. And the first step is to pray a prayer of commitment. The next step is to make it known. Jesus said, if you confess me before men or make it known before men uh, that you're his, he said, I will make it known in heaven that you belong to him. And so right now he's calling for you to somehow make it known. And I'm going to ask you to do it in this way. You can either text AMEN to 77247. And I really hope you do. Don't hold back. Find a way to text AMEN to 77247. Or you could uh, go to crossroadschurch.family and click on I said yes. No matter how you do it, get to us. Then we're going to get back to you and want to know your name, want to know a little bit about you. We want to give you a free gift that will help you grow in your walk with the Lord. We want to have people praying for you. We're hoping to connect with you because you matter to us. So right now, if you prayed that prayer, then let us know you did by texting amen to 77247 or by going to I'm praying this week is a week when you open the word and you look at the Bible, the words leap off the page. God points at things and shows you things and teaches you things. May you experience him in a very special way. God bless you and have a great week.